and welcome to the second installment of Hitting the Line, a podcast about fantasy disc golf and disc golf in general. My name is Nas, and I'm here with my brother, Jad. Jad, it is World's Week. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited just as you are. and Let's get to it. This week, we're going to be doing a little bit of a world's preview, looking at both courses that players will be playing on, and stylistically, who has the advantage at what course. All right, Jad, so where are we for Worlds this week? So Worlds this year will be in Ogden, Utah. Uh, we've got two courses. Uh, we've got the Fort, and we've got Mulligans. Three rounds at the Fort, two rounds at Mulligans. Nas, what do you see from the two courses? What do you expect? So Mulligans, yes, it's on a golf course. Uh, but it's not your kind of typical golf course that favors your bombers. It's a course that's still under 8,000 feet long, and uh, it's got a lot of hazards. I mean, there are really fast greens, uh, there's water, and that low-cut grass can cause this to kind of skip off to various places. And uh, it's really not, I guess it's not like the OTB Open or... What was the other ball golf course recently that people? Well, were there's Las Vegas about. Challenge, and uh, then there's Goat Hill as well. Yeah, so it's not one of those style courses. At under eight thousand feet, Mulligans is not huge, but it could potentially be a birdie fest. Now, the other course, as you mentioned, is the Fort, which is actually longer. So this is a more of a traditional disc golf course, but it's actually longer than Mulligans by about four hundred feet or so, par sixty three, and that's where we'll have rounds two, four, and five at. Yeah, and you like to see the majority of the rounds, two, four, and five, being at the fort rather than mulligans. Um, mulligans, we said, could be a birdie fest. However, a lot of the greens are still slightly guarded by hazards. You have to understand how your disc is landing, at what angles. You have to have speed control. So it may or may not be a birdie fest, but you do love to see the three rounds at the fort being that it is much tougher it's more wooded more traditional yeah mulligans for those who don't know is uh where the famous uh ricky waisaki walk-off ace to win the utah open in 2017 happened kind of with the beautiful mountains in the background there so kind of a historic place now because of that famous shot speaking of ricky waisaki in the utah open worlds is being played at the exact same two courses that the Utah Open was played at just a week and a half ago. Nas, tell us what historically has happened at the Utah Open, what just happened at the Utah Open, and what kind of scores we might expect to see at Worlds this year. Well, the Utah Open uh, could maybe be known as the Ricky Wysocki Open. In the past three years, he's I think four years, he's either finished first or second. Two years he finished first. One year he finished second to Matt Bell, and then this year, last week, as you just mentioned, he finished second to Emerson Keith. So the Utah Open is, uh, I guess, a tournament, or Ogden, Utah, is a place where Ricky Wysocki has traditionally done very, very well. Just this past week at Mulligans, he shot uh, Mulligans as par 58, and we had Rick go out there and shoot an 11 down, 
at Mulligan. So I think that's going to be the type of score or the type of scores uh, that our top pros are going to be trying to shoot this this week at Worlds. I think guys like Paul, Rick, Eagle, Kyle Klein, those guys are all capable of shooting double digits out here. I think what it's going to take to shoot that hot round, that double digit, well, like you said, you're going to need to shoot probably a 10 if you want to be near that, near that lead card. But it's going to take, in my opinion, some really good putting and some really good shot placement. Like we said, it's not traditional where only the big arms are going to make it out there. Nas, Emerson Keith just beat Ricky Wysocki at the Utah Open, including tying him at Mulligan's. What were the keys as to why Emerson Keith was able to beat Ricky Wysocki at the Utah Open? Well, I think when you look at it, it really comes down to how he played at the fort. And now we mentioned earlier, the fort is a little bit different than Mulligan's. Mulligan's being on a ball golf course. The fort is uh, much more traditional. It's got a lot of guarded greens that are guarded by by trees. You're not going to have a lot of open, you know, open 50-footers or open 40-footers where you can just put it out there. You're going to have to really throw some really well-placed shots in order to even have a look at some of these uh, birdies. So what Emerson was able to do, at least what I think, was that he was able to just really finesse it through the woods at the fort. Uh, the fort is definitely not a power player's course. You have to be technical. We saw him throw, throwing some forehand turnovers and flip-up shots through through the woods on some of these longer par fours that allowed him to uh, score. And uh, despite you know not having maybe the power that Rick has or even maybe the putting range, uh, Emerson Keith being very accurate and controlled was able to score very well at the fort and has got to be someone that we're maybe looking out for this week. With the fort being the type of course that kind of equalizes things for the MPO, who's someone else you think, Jed, that has a good chance of uh, bringing home a world title this week? Well, piggybacking off of the Utah Open, third-place finisher Kyle Klein shot a hot round of an eight-down at the fort in the final round and took home third place. It is not ludicrous to think he could repeat these. It is not ludicrous to think he can't keep up at Mulligans. So right away, Kyle Klein, who has been playing hot all year, who is a great putter, who can scramble, is somebody that immediately comes to my mind as someone who could bring home a world title this year. How great would that be, huh? Yeah, I don't know. He might, I mean, he could end up being the youngest world champ ever, I think. I think the kid's 18, or maybe he somehow turned 19, but he's a pretty fresh-faced kid, and it'd be really cool to see him bring it down. Outside of the big three, Nasdog, got any more sleepers for us? Yeah, at this point, I don't know that he's necessarily considered a, a sleeper, but I think Adam Hammes, similarly to Kyle Klein, has a lot of those same tools. He's someone with an absolute boomer for, forehand shot, someone who can putt great, and uh, he's already put together a couple of nice wins this year. I believe... Coming uh, off of the Resistance Open, just destroyed everybody. Yeah, he won the resistance open by, what, five, six, seven strokes or something crazy like that. Handily, for sure. He's catching fire at the right right time. He's won uh, two of the last three tournaments, the Masters Cup, of course, the resistance discs open, and has only missed one top ten finish since March. So he's definitely getting hot at the right time, looking to make that jump into becoming a world champ, perhaps, and not just another top guy. Um, but I know you have, well, we could talk about one of your favorite guys next, Jed. How do you think Kevin Jones is going to be able to fare this week at Worlds? You know, I don't think there's a lot to say about 
the Kevin Jones thing. He's playing really hot. He essentially won Portland Open. He's a great putter. We all know that. He can throw forehand and backhand. And he's a very, one of the top, one of the most precise backhand throwers in the game for sure, which is going to come in handy at the fort. You got any more for us? Well, Jed, I think if we want to talk precision, uh, there's one person that we cannot miss, and that is James Conrad. Um, He seems to be really coming into his midseason form. You know he's ripping putters better than anybody else on tour in the tight fairways of mulligans. I think he's going to be able to save a lot of strokes uh, by just playing reasonable and throwing accurate putter lines. T- tight fairways at the fort, you mean, not the mulligan. Not oh, mulligan. Sorry, did I say mulligans? <laughs> I meant the fort. Uh, but I think James can probably also go out there and shoot a really hot round at mulligans because, like we said earlier, it's not really a course that demands – 500 plus feet of distance it just demands you to be accurate it demands you to stay on the greens not skip away and i think james conrad with his putter shots and just his general circle two putting he's a technician man yes and the uh, circle two putting at mulligans will be a lot easier because he's going to have those wide open looks of 50 60 feet where at the fort that's going to be a lot harder so james conrad let's see if he can get himself a world title this week um now jed we haven't mentioned i think maybe the top choice for a lot of people, and that's Paul McBeth. What do you think about Paul's chances at Worlds this week, and is this the first year where Paul is not the all-on favorite? If you were to ask the sports book if Paul McBeth was the favorite, I'm sure they'd tell you he is. I think the obvious favorite is Ricky this year. Um, He's got the most wins. It's his style, of course. He dominates Utah. This is the first time in a long time and by a long time I mean ever, that it is not reasonable to say that Paul could finish outside of the top five, although obviously you have to put him in the top five because he's Mr. Five-time himself. Yeah, I think it's also important to know, I think, I'm not sure Paul has ever finished worse than second at Worlds. I think I read a crazy stat this this week that he's either finished first or second in pretty much every Worlds he's played in. He's finished second to Rick, um, and I think maybe... The year Barsby won it, I'll have to look at that. But um, I think this just goes to show how fast disc golf is evolving right now that we're willingly talking about 18-year-olds winning worlds more than we care to talk about Paul McBeth winning worlds. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's definitely exciting because I think in years past, you and I have joked about, you know, it's would you take Paul or the field? And it was always you would take Paul over the field. Well, this feels like the first year where the field feels like the better bet than Paul. But we got to give the champ the respect where it's due. Like like we said, he's a five-time champion. He needs the type of player that likes to play with a chip on his shoulder. And the fact that people might be counting him out or making Rick the favorite or you know Eagles big couple of wins this, this year, I, I bet kind of add to that chip on his shoulder. But Paul has said in the past, like, Worlds is what matters to him. So I think we're going to get a different type of Paul this week. I think we're going to see that killer instinct, Paul. Paul leads um, the entire field in circle two putting this year, something like 40% circle two. And so I think at Mulligans, that's going to come in handy. And we know Paul can be as accurate as anybody else in the world. So Paul, of course, oh, yeah, here. Here's the, here's the fact. Yeah, since 2012, Paul has either won world or finished in second place. So we're talking nine or uh, seven years. He's either got first or second. 
So are we going to bet against him? I'm not. And we could sit here all day and talk about who we think is going to win among 15 different guys, you know. We haven't even mentioned Simon Lazat. We haven't even mentioned Calvin Heimberg. Uh, there's so many guys we could talk about. But Nico. I think this year, due to the nature of the fort, it's anybody's game. And this is a tale of two sides, two different stories between the MPO and the FPO this year. What do I mean by that? What do you mean by that? The fort is everything for MPO this year. This is not the case on the FPO side. In my opinion, it's mulligans that means everything to the women this year. Whereas the MPO side, distance is not going to matter. On the FPO side, that is completely different. I watched Paige Utah open round one, miss multiple circle one putts, and she took the whole thing home so easy. Nas, jump into the FPO for us. Well, I think the way that FPO is going to go down, like you said, is going to um, it's going to be mulligans that separates or that creates scoring separation for these ladies, the ladies who can really bomb it. Paige, Cat, Kristen, uh, Haley. I think they're going to have a huge advantage at mulligans over the rest of the field. Uh, as Sarah Hokum said recently, you know, ninety percent of the field is just hoping to take is throwing a drive, throwing an eighty to one hundred foot up shot and trying to make their par and I think she was quoted as calling it pretty boring for 90% of the field but you know we have a top 10% of the field who can really rip it and they're going to see that that advantage as this tournament goes on now at the forward I suppose it could be really anybody's game and the scores might be a little bit closer together there but I think one one of two things is going to happen that I think I, I could definitely see by day two or day three page being ahead by like 12 strokes i mean if you look at like three or four strokes around or four to five strokes around times the five rounds she could win this thing huge but if cat or Haley or kona or someone else can kind of keep up with her we could have a two-horse race and i think we're going to probably come down to a two or three horse race in the fbo field hazards and c1x at mulligans this year i believe is going to be everything for the women kona of course has that 400-plus-foot distance that they're going to need at Mulligans. I'm praying that she can convert those putts. Uh, Big-time Kona fan. We're all rooting for Kona. We're, always, all, we're, always, always. All, we're always rooting for Kona. Uh, but maybe maybe Katrina might be the only one that has both the distance and the putting to keep up with Paige. We'll have to see. I think Hazards and C1X are going to be everything this year for the women. And I think Kat... One part of her game that's underrated is her Woods Woods game. I really think she's like the fairway goddess, man. She can she can lay some of her fairway drivers into a tight wooded fairway, and she makes it sometimes look really easy. Now we know Cat can have her putting woes too, but she can also wow you with some of the some of her longer putts. So, um, you know, this is the I think this is going to be another Cat or Page year in my opinion. But again, this is the first time in FPO history for me at least where I feel like. There could be someone else that wins it besides Cat or Paige. And like we said, that could be Haley, perhaps Kona, perhaps Kristen. All right, so those are some of our favorites on both the MPO and FPO side, looking at who we think might win. But the purpose of this podcast is, when available, to talk about the daily fantasy side of disc golf. And so let's talk about what type of scores we're looking to build our entries around on the prize picks app this week. Well, 
to start it off, round one is being played at Mulligans. The type of course Mulligans is is very scorable. We're thinking hot rounds, according to Utah Open, are obviously going to be double digits, maybe peaking at around a 14 down. We've seen an 11. We've seen some 10s out of our top guys. The fact that it's so scorable, I think what you're going to be looking to do for your entries is going to be picking some of the elite guys who are not projected that well and grabbing the under. It is, yes, it's a ball golf course, but like we said, it's not one where only the big D guys are going to be able to go. Anybody who has a good day is going to be going under par by 10 or better strokes here. Yeah, Jed, I think I'm going to be looking at lines that show maybe about, or this is what I think is going to happen, is that the first lines will come out for Mulligans, and I think you're going to see some 50s, as maybe some of our top players might have. They might say, you know, let's say Rick. Then uh, if they have Paul or if they have Paul or Rick at a 50, I'm definitely smashing the under because I think that they're going to come out and shoot 10, 11 possibly. But if they have maybe these lines are a lot lower than that, more than double digits. Let's say it, the lines come out the first day and they've got Paul and Rick shooting 47s or 46s, something crazy like that. Then I'm definitely smashing the overs. So. As usual, it's going to depend on what prize picks gives us. But like you said, maybe a guy like Kyle Klein or Adam ha- Adam Hammes, who prize picks might have two, three, four strokes worse than Paul or Rick. We might be looking at those guys to say, well, we know they can shoot just as hot as that. So maybe those are some of the guys that we look at. Now, once the lines are released, we're hoping to drop another episode Wednesday or Thursday, actually going into detail about our about our entries and who we're looking at. Uh, Because without those numbers in front of us, there's not as much to talk about. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week, unless, Jed, if you have anything else you want to mention. Well, of course, as per usual, follow us on Twitter. Our follower count's real low right now, guys. Uh, It's underscore hitting the line. Let's go, guys. We've got a Gmail that's at hitting the line podcast. If you have any questions, if you want to interact, whatever you want, that's the Gmail. Um, my Twitter is at Jad underscore Rehan. Nas, what about you? That is at HT Nasser. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, leave us a rating, and we'll catch you later this week. That'll do it from us. Peace.